0: i need to take this out. Okay, okay. Help. I'm, can we please?
1: COVID-19 vaccines do not prevent infection or transmission. We're seeing outbreak infections in regions and countries with higher vaccination rates. COVID deaths are occurring in double vaccinated people. It's also clear that natural immunity confers longer lasting and better protection against infection. The vaccination story has some distance to run even if COVID-19 is on its last legs. Those advocating vaccines as the way out of our government-imposed nightmare should rethink their arguments. So what are the adverse effects of COVID-19 vaccines? Dr Dolores Cahill is an expert in immunology. Professor Cahill Dolores, great to see you once again.
0: Lovely to be on again, Mike, how are you?
1: Very well, thank you. You've had an exciting uh, few months. Tell us about it before we get into our questions.
0: Well, um, about two weeks ago, I was very honored to speak at a World Freedom Alliance event in Budapest in Hungary, uh, which was also a coordinated conference with the Doctors for Truth in Hungary. And then I visited uh, about eight days ago, uh, Mats Pavik, World Freedom Alliance in Denmark. We're preparing for a conference in November. Um, and I went to France for a couple of days and then went to the War figma Alliance rally with Heiko Schoening just last weekend. Uh, we had between half a million and a million people on the streets uh, peacefully uh, exercising their um, freedom to assemble on Sunday last. And now I'm back in Ireland.
1: Interesting. You mentioned the word peaceful in Australia, a fledgling um, political party. It's called Reignite. Democracy Australia. Uh, the founder is um, a girl by the name, or a lady by the name of Monica Smith, and she was arrested the other day. Her, oh. her, uh, they will release her on bail because she's been charged with inciting riots and yeah, it's or protesting basically. But her conditions are that if she shuts down this political party, closes all forms of communication, and stops talking and protesting about the lockdowns, they will release her, otherwise she'll be locked up. Now, look, can you just tell me if what's wrong with that, that, that uh, scenario?
0: So that's a very good question. I think, you know, as you know, I stood for election and I wasn't uh, allowed in uh, by the police to observe the counting of the vote. So if people do some research on what is really going on in our societies across the world, they do not want uh, open, free and transparent voting processes. So what they are doing to the founder of Reignite, and she interviewed me uh, maybe eight or nine months ago now, is that they do not want the voice of ordinary men and women who are not really captured by the political process to uh, get voted in or to be the voice for change uh, in all of our nations around the world, so they are trying to stop people's democratic uh, and you know voice being heard through free and transparent, open debate and the voting systems across all of our nations.
1: I also see that for a government to shut down an opposition party, threaten, jail them, not threaten them with jail, and tell them they have to close shop. I mean that goes against the very the the very basis of democracy and our freedoms. And if that that is you know, this is supported by, I would say ninety nine percent of the media. It's supported by the general public. Nothing has been said. I've seen some uh, YouTube videos where they're clapping about it. I mean, what's I mean, the question is, Dolores, have we moved from a democracy to a a um, a dictatorship under, under, say, for example, in Victoria under Dan Andrews, who did the, uh, did the deed and ordered the police to, uh, to, uh, to jail the leader of a political party.
0: So I think what we see is going on, you know, in the last uh, 2020, 2021, is really uh, an attack and an assault on, you know, our inalienable rights and freedoms So freedom of speech, freedom of travel and bodily integrity. Uh, and the rule of law, but the rule of law is really politicians, you know, make the acts of parliament. So the voice of the people through the vote is really what underpins all of the laws uh, and the entire fabric of our society. So what I've been saying, I've been studying this for 25 years, and really COVID-19 for all of the illness and death uh, and the tragedy associated with it is sadly a distraction from the agenda that's really been carried out for 50 years and has been implemented between 2020 and the end of 2025 is to try and undermine our fundamental rights uh, and freedoms, including freedom of speech you know, and mm. freedom of travel, bodily integrity and engaging in the voting process in our nations.
1: It's amazing the uh, the media, who used to be the uh, the the, uh, the messenger of news, is now p- the participant uh, in these terrible uh, re- removals of our freedom. And we may get some back. We might be able to you know go out for two hours a day instead of being there for one hour a day. Uh, our governments are pushing ahead though with vaccine mandates in New York and France. Businesses require customers to show vaccine passports to buy food. Tell me, how can this be allowed in this day and age? This is just all ramping up, isn't it?
0: It's all ramping up. And I suppose what we need to push back, and Mike, you and I were talking about the need of a new media, people that actually will reframe what's going on differently. So I saw that Macron, you know, had tried to pass an unlawful act to say that men and women who were not injected could not buy food. And I've just seen today that in two courts that that was rejected. But really, we have to say that what Macron and what they are trying to do in New York is unlawful. You are actually discriminating against people. Um, And Kevin Jenkins, uh, one of the founders of Freedom Travel Alliance, is saying that really they are trying to instill a system of discrimination or slavery. So asking people to... You know, carry an ID is exactly the same as the discrimination that was meted out on African-Americans or in the Jews in Germany in World War One. They're trying to segregate society based on some random aspect. And everybody has to push back on it because it is criminal uh, and unlawful and discriminatory. And it would be like in 20 years ago asking people what is your hiv aids status mm. and then saying because of a result of a test that if you are hiv positive you cannot buy food or you cannot enter into a restaurant and that is clearly discriminatory and discrimination is unlawful in our societies
1: piers uh, robinson uh, the other day was talking about um uh, we may have reached a pivotal point uh, in the this whole thing I said to him, is it a train or is it a, um, the light at the end of the tunnel? Um, what do you
0: think? So I think we, you know, once we start talking about how the courts and the politicians cannot be engaging in criminal behaviour, should not be discriminating, should not be incarcerating for six weeks in prison, uh, people who s- set up political parties and maybe challenge the government, that we really have to fight for our freedom because through their taxes, people are paying for the police that are criminalized, that are actually engaged themselves in criminal behavior. So what I've been saying just in the past few weeks is we're moving into another phase now, which is not really the COVID-19 phase, but it is a phase on an attack on the basic freedoms that we have We need to recognize them, educate ourselves and each other, and then say to the politicians, this is incorrect. But really, we do have to push back on political parties or people standing for election. And in our nations, people have to look at mechanisms to ensure the authenticity and accuracy of the vote as well.
1: Speaking of accuracy, what critical data or for the Americans' data has recently emerged
0: on the vaccines Well I'm sure as you know in Australia they had a system where they brought many young people uh, in to be injected and I think you had at least 3 deaths in one uh location where there was injections of young people and as we know you know it is clear that there is no danger at all to anyone under 50 in fact there are prevention and treatments so no one need die from covid-19 So I think as unlawfully they are now injecting, you know, people in their 20s and teenagers, the critical data is that we are seeing huge numbers of clotting and hospitalisation of, you know, teenagers and very young people. And there's a lot of coercion of these young people to try and force them to take the injections in order to access education and the university system. So I think, sadly, the new data that's emerging is, that the adverse events and deaths that we saw in the adults and elderly people, we're now seeing similar in, you know, very young people and teenagers. uh, And it is shocking. And of course, my gravest concern would be that there would be issues around infertility uh, for these young people that may only emerge in the months and years to come.
1: Dr. Elizabeth Vleet, on a recent interview, I think it was last week, in fact, said that uh, they now have um, a, uh, evidence that um, uh, it will affect um, the ovaries, the testes, uh, the placenta. Uh, that report was out since I think 2018 by the Chinese who studied 10 million people. So, but guess what? Nothing is mentioned. And you mentioned about the deaths at the uh, at the arena in Sydney. Nothing was mentioned. It's all hush hush. Do you think the, um, the I mean, I, I, I actually believe um, on equal footing for evil other media because they're not reporting the facts, they're not reporting the story, they're reporting the narrative directed by the authorities. And that's dangerous, isn't it?
0: Yes, it is, because we know, you know, failure to provide uh, information is also contributing and can be seen as crimes against humanity. And in Rwanda, where they were shown that the TV and radio stations were by uh, manipulating the type of information that people got, they contributed to deaths and the journalists uh, and the broadcasters were held to account uh, under crimes against humanity. So I think what we've seen, as we know, for nearly a year and a half now, Mike, is that the many of the mainstream media are manipulating, you know, increasing the fear not providing important health information that there are uh, licensed and regulatory approved Nobel Prize winning prevention and treatment and also exaggerating the deaths. And I often, I don't look at the mainstream media around the world very often, but when I do, you can actually see that the lawyers have gone to great pains to deceive. You know, it Mm. it is not just uh, random conversations. The, The conversations are very well scripted to try uh, and, you know, imply that there are no preventions and treatments, and that there are huge deaths associated with COVID-19 when it's entirely wrong. So it is shocking, um, and you know, I would like people to record these around the world because we, it might take us, you know, many years to hold individual people to account,
2: mm.
0: uh, and we do need to, uh, you know, maybe capture the evidence in order to. And I think people should be writing to journalists as well as writing to politicians under notice of liability to inform them that they're, uh, you know, increasing the fear and not providing the health information is contributing to unnecessary deaths.
1: Mm. A recent guest said that the present vaccines affecting blood immunity cannot work because of because oro nasal induced mucosal secretory IgA immunity is what is required. Uh, could these vaccines be the wrong type of vaccines for COVID-19? And part two of that, how did I go for a, um, a student in, in medicine? Did I get that out right?
0: You did. You did very well, Mike. So I think the thing is, you know, the infectious agents, you know, we're talking about influenza-like illness and the infectious agent uh, for SARS-CoV-2 would be breathed in on the lining of the nose and the lungs and you have this IgA part of your immune system where the actual defense of the immune system happens uh, on the surface of the nose and on the lungs. Uh, And if you inject something, you may be, you know, you probably are not eliciting the proper type of immune response. But there's also been around 15 studies just in the last few months that have shown, uh, as I've said all along, that the natural immune system is multiple times um, more effective uh, at fighting against any, this, any kind of coronavirus uh, than any vaccine. And also that while the immune system ramps up for a week or two when you have uh, a flu-causing agent, just because you don't detect the T or B cells in the months in between, that is not how the immune system works. The immune system works, ramps up for a few weeks, It looks like it's silent, but it's absolutely ready there to ramp up within an hour or two, even if you can't detect the presence in the blood. So a lot of the kind of discussion around levels of uh, T and B cells last year for people in the summer was entirely inaccurate because you don't need to have a measurable effect in the blood, we'll say in the summertime, but the immune system uh, will ramp up when it's needed in the next winter season. So I think what I've been saying all along, uh, there are now 15 studies I think this year to show that we have a natural immune system and that will protect almost everybody, 999 people out of a thousand. It will ramp up when the infectious agent, the next flu season happens and it will uh, also protect naturally, including the uh, IgA that's secreted on the lining of the nose and on the lungs. Um, And because we have prevention and treatment, it means the one in a thousand people that may have a severe reaction to an influenza causing uh, agent, they can be treated with vitamin D, C, hydroxychloroquine, zinc, and or ivermectin, and they will be fine so that no one need die. So just again, Mike, there is no need for any of these vaccinations. And in the EU alone, there are over 2 million adverse events just in the EU related to the four COVID-19 clinical trials and over 20,000 deaths and normally a clinical trial is stopped with 25 or 50 people that die in the world so there is absolutely no justification for these um, COVID-19 SARS-CoV-2 clinical trials continuing and they should be stopped immediately.
1: Now, I use inverted commas here. If the vaccines are the wrong type of vaccine, would there be consequences?
0: Yes. So, as you know, I've been saying, because this is my area, the consequences are that uh, there was zero mRNA injection, so-called vaccines, ever licensed, even though there was many studies over decades, because the animals, and when they injected them into uh, men and children and babies that in the months and years to follow when this infectious agent that was injected was exposed again, that the, um, the person had a huge adverse reaction. So the mRNA enhanced the illness and death associated with the injection and that in the animal studies, either the majority of the animals or all of the animals died. So, even though we have adverse events and death in the weeks and months after these injections in the clinical trials, and uh, what we will see is potentially significant burden of chronic illness and death in the months and years to come when people are re exposed. So that has been called cytokine storm, antibody dependent enhancement, super priming. Um, and what I've said from May 2020 is. The symptoms of this silent killer from these mRNA injections will be things like chronic fatigue, organ failure, you know, uh, where the heart is attacked or Mm. multiple organs. People will go into sepsis and die very quickly. And why I came out in May 2020, I said then I was talking to the future and potentially to future crimes against humanity for the significant deaths that would occur. And I also said that people will die of chronic fatigue, sepsis, organ failure, and that they will try and call the COVID-19, but the symptoms will not at all be anything to do with influenza. It will be to do with sepsis.
1: Interesting in the US, um, uh, we have the VAERS, uh, which is the um, Vaccine Adverse Adverse Events
0: events Reporting System.
1: And it's... Yeah, we know. We believe very strongly that it has been throttled, and we um, on the show. In fact, after this, we have a, a data analyst on. He's been studying VAERS non-stop, and some amazing, uh, amazing results from that study. But uh, Dr. Peter McCullough, we're talking about uh, myocarditis, um, and in Australia, uh, for example, the TGA have said. That uh, it's a very rare thing, myocarditis. It's, it wouldn't really affect anybody. You know, just it's just not around. Well, Peter, who's a one of the great cardiologists of the world, um, has said, well, at the moment, with the Vez uh, report, it says there are five thousand or more than five thousand uh, known cases of myocarditis as a result from the vaccine. Uh, and he said, you know, from now on, uh, they'll, they'll be probably suffering uh, heart failure, these young children or young kids, teenagers. He said, that's very rare. And he, then he said, uh, to have 5,000 uh, cases and growing, that is not rare. And considering that it's been throttled, it's even less rare. So the cover up from from the authorities. I know in Australia that, you know, we're not on their uh, Christmas card list uh, but they're, they're really going after everybody and anybody. Uh, and s- same with the US with the, the private organizations they're, they're going after anybody and everybody who works for them and trying to just shut them up and you're a prime example. You know, they want you to shut up. So where do we go from here and how bad are these vaccines really in your own words?
0: So I think what I've been saying all along and part of the you know the paper that I showed in May 2020, The title of it was Immunopulmonary Issues, right? So that we they had clotting uh, around the body, including in the lungs, and that there was issues around uh, attack of the organs, including the heart from the clinical studies. And in the papers that I gave, either the majority or all of the animals died. And I said, if there has been zero mRNA injections, ever licensed fully after a clinical trial um, up to September 2020, and they've been researching them for decades because of the adverse events and deaths. And some of the adverse events happened and death early, but there is this silent killer that may happen in 18 months, two years, three years later. So, um, you know, there is a significant potential that many you know, middle-aged and elderly people will die and that the young people may not die, but that they will be uh, chronically unwell. So it's these trials should be stopped immediately, Mike. It's, it's very hard to know, you know, how I can emphasize to people that um, these injections are entirely unnecessary and will be really a silent cause of significant suffering, illness and death, in the months and years to come all across the world.
1: I can see one upside. If you're a lawyer, you're going to be very busy uh, in the future. But here's the thing. that In Australia, if you have an adverse reaction or event from the vaccine, the onus is on you to convince the court that it was a vaccine that did that. Now, you're an immunologist of great note. (laughs) How difficult would that be? for a layperson and how expensive for a layperson to try and prove that in court. And then you're fighting against Pfizer, Johnson & Johnson, all those companies. How how realistic would it be to think that you're going to win a case against these monstrosities?
0: So I think maybe that's why I've been studying uh, how to push back around the adverse events of injections and vaccines for 20 years and the law intensively for 12 years or 13 years now. Um, So it turns out that it is not true when the governments and the states say that there is an indemnity, that really what this is under the law, harm is caused by individual men and women to each other. So the person who actually breaches the skin, it's actually a crime of battery which is and assault, which is, I think, four years in prison in Ireland. Uh, by the doctor or the nurse or whoever does the injection and that you can sue. You don't have to go to the courts. You can make a claim directly from the person who does the injection uh, for not having full and informed consent. And because these are uh, clinical trials, it's criminal and potentially contributory manslaughter for anyone to inject uh, anyone under 18 and enroll them in a clinical trial. So all of the children across the world can actually sue The person that injected or the principal teacher uh, for their entire life for a crime of uh, assault and battery contributory manslaughter and enrolling them unlawfully and criminally in a clinical trial. And you cannot have informed consent without every single risk uh, being given. And doctors are liable for their entire life for uh, not giving full and informed consent consent. Uh, to anyone but it is a criminal act to inject someone under 18 and there is no indemnity because the the, uh, what is the area of law is the natural law and it is an infringement on the inalienable rights of bodily integrity around full and informed consent uh, and that is an assault of one man to another or one you know man or woman to another uh, man or woman Uh, And there is no indemnity that is causing harm, loss and injury under the rule of law. And whoever does the injection and breaches the skin is liable Mm -hmm. and it is a criminal act and there is no indemnity. So and you can be sued for the harm and the loss directly from the doctor and either their uh, medical insurance, uh, medical negligence insurance or their private property, including their pensions and their houses.
1: You've been very popular when I mean, you traveled the world, Budapest, throughout Europe. Uh, in fact, you're so popular that the um, you have a warrant out for your arrest. Um, that's probably not just to talk about a cup of tea and vaccines. It's probably a little more serious. Tell us about this.
0: So I was in Budapest. I think I flew in on the uh, 17th or 18th and I was giving my big speech to the conference and about an hour before in the morning, I just heard newspaper reports that there was a warrant out for my arrest in the United Kingdom and Northern Ireland. So I had had no communication from anyone. And so I only have it still from the newspapers that they said in the newspapers I was arrested on the 19th of September 2020, which is entirely untrue. And uh, the, the newspapers gave a number of a political party that I no longer a member of, some P.O. box, which I would never have given that address, I've had no communication. Uh, And the magistrates court in London said that there were court hearings about the arrest that didn't happen in uh, June, July and August of 2021. And I did not appear. And so the warrant is for me for not appearing at court cases in relation to an arrest last year in Trafalgar Square that never happened And that they made up some P.O. box address of a political party that I uh, have not been involved with for many months. And that is the warrant. So I, uh, of course, am very uh, upset about it. It has huge issues around my freedom of travel. I've been invited to Scotland this weekend to give a talk at a rally. And if I was to potentially go there now, um, I could be arrested. So again, what we see, perhaps like your colleague in Australia, is that, you know, they have not written to me. I have not been summoned. I haven't had any correspondence from the court. And yet, you know, the newspapers and the courts have said that there is a warrant now for me not attending court cases that I was not made aware of about an arrest that didn't happen. And so this is why i You know, I've been studying the agenda behind this for decades. And so the voting system and the rule of law are the main methods about how they are trying to bring in an unaccountable um, regime that will try and silence voices of people that are raising issues about the uh, increase in illness and death that is going on and that the police are not properly investigating
1: it's um, very sad, and it's uh, quite concerning—more uh, than quite concerning. It's uh, abhorrent, to say the least. That uh, uh, the their answer is not to dispute the evidence; their answer is to tarnish and smear the the, the actual messenger, this person spreading that information. It's a um, a terrible world we live in, in some ways. But you know, I'm still very envious. I can't get out of Queensland. I can't get out of Australia. But I know if I can, there's a castle waiting for me. How, how's the castle going, by the way?
0: So the castle, I've only been there. I did have a big uh, festival called the festival, uh, and, the Felico, and we had a few thousand people. Uh, so I bought the castle in September uh, 2019 when the initial banking crash that wasn't reported, which was the trigger event for all of this, which I was aware of. Um, And then we had event 21 or event 201, which is how the globalist agenda communicate through each other. Um, And so I finished buying the castle around Christmas 2019, knowing that that, um, the various scenarios of event 201 was the trigger for the next so-called pandemic. And this has all been described for, you know, many decades. So the castle is a way for people to meet. uh, And I have Spend all my life savings on, uh, you know, setting up the World Freedom Alliance, the World Doctors' Alliance and attending events uh, instead of renovating the castle. So I do now have a website called Custodian uh, related to the castle and that we're custodians of our health heritage and our future. So um, if people want to look that up uh, as of next week, I will be looking for a uh, membership of Custodian in order to fund uh, clearing my name in the courts in London, and also, Mike, I'm. I think we need uh, a media type platform like you have. So I will also be trying to um, invest in, you know, developing a way of getting the information out and providing the information to people around the world.
1: Look, I will take up the offer one day for the council, but there's one thing I won't do, and that's wear tights. I might. I'll look after the goats and the sheep, walking around the castle with the hay. But I'm not going to wear those tights. All right? That's that. that's just that's very ugly. Okay, you just have to
0: come and sing a song, Mike. Then, if you don't <laughs> want to wear tights, what, what I I really like because what we need is to you know re inspire people and build communities. And one of the best ways of doing that is through singing, you know, or poetry mm. and playing music. So if you do come, I hope you'll give us a song.
1: I'll, I'll sing a song you won't like it I don't sing very well but I am not wearing tights I'll be locked up okay. Profe- right. Professor <laughs> Dolores Cahill it was lovely chatting do this more often thank you very much
0: thank you very much Mike lovely to be uh, in touch with you again and uh, bye bye to everyone who's listening as well thank you
3: don't get no sleep. I don't get
2: no wow. sleep. Thinking about her. her under your bed. <laughs> do you see
0: her?
3: The way that she's whispering. The way that she's pulling you <laughs> in.
2: My name is Kalei Rodriguez, today is July 4th, 2021.
0: George Christensen has been one of the
1: few federal parliamentarians prepared to criticise his government's response to COVID-19 and the shocking impact of restrictions and mandates on individual freedoms and public health. In a recent speech to Parliament where he called for an end to lockdowns, masks and vaccine passports, George was officially condemned for undermining the response to COVID-19 and accused for spreading misinformation. George spoke out last week against the imprisonment of anti-lockdown campaigner Monica Smith on charges of incitement. Monica was denied bail unless she shut down her political organisation. George, thanks for joining us.
3: Thank you. It's good to be on
1: your show, Mike. We read your statement on the jailing of Monica Smith and the conditions Premier Dan Andrews set for her release on bail. Is this unprecedented and has there been any support for Monica amongst other federal parliamentarians?
3: Well, Look, I don't know there's been another true political prisoner in Australia since uh, the jailing of Pauline Hanson. Uh, So this is somewhat unprecedented. I have never seen anything like it, uh, quite frankly. I mean, the uh, the police putting up bail conditions which uh, uh, suggested that a fledgling political party should be shut down as a condition of release from prison. Uh, the the uh, And look, a magistrate didn't accept that, uh, ultimately rejected those conditions, but still there are further bail conditions which suggest that she's not uh, able to uh, incite opposition to chief health officer orders. Now, inciting breaches of chief chief health officer's orders uh, are one thing, and you know, I could possibly understand, even though I disagree. But I could understand that being a condition of bail. But inciting opposition means that even saying to people, you know, uh, l- l- let's let's rage against the lockdowns, uh, which is a political statement, and should be able to be expressed by anyone in a free democratic country. I mean, that's not allowed. So uh, there are other federal MPs. I know Craig Kelly, uh, the member for Hughes, is supportive of uh, of, of Monica Smith and supportive of um, uh, removing these onerous and restrictive anti-free speech uh, uh, bail conditions that have been set on her.
1: Australia is becoming less of a laughing stock and more of a dangerous country. The whole world sees it that way. Why aren't our parliamentarians, courts, businesses, uh, health professionals rejecting or even questioning the detrimental policies being pursued by the Morrison government and all the states?
3: Well, I think you're you're right. The the rest of the world has been probably laughing at us up until recently for the ridiculous nature of some of the restrictions. But uh, they're now also looking with eyes wide open and just saying, boy, oh, boy, uh, particularly in the US, I mean, uh, Donald Trump Jr. the other day saying uh, on a, in a tweet, don't Australia my America. I mean, uh, it, it is still, um, you know, poking a bit of fun at us and I think rightly uh, and deservedly so, but at the same time it's sounding an alarm bell that uh, we've slipped into some anti-free speech uh, authoritarian uh, style of, 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 of governing at the moment and it's just wrong. Now, there, there's pushback, of course, Uh, You know, people um, who who are your viewers may have disagreements with the Prime Minister, but uh, he's out there now leading the charge for an end to the lockdowns uh, after, um, you know, I think his catchphrase is pretty pretty similar to the one that I used uh, in federal parliament that I was condemned for, and that was uh, we need to live with COVID-19, not in constant fear of it. Uh, that should be the policy of this country, but it's it's not at the moment. And uh, most of it, in fact, uh, nearly all of it, is being driven uh, by state governments who have extraordinary powers when it comes to uh, public health responses. Uh, but their powers really have to be commensurate to the problem at hand. And uh, this is where the courts come into it. I think that... Um, State premiers and state governments have overstepped the mark, uh, but uh, our courts have failed in, uh, in dealing with um, governments actually overstepping that mark. Uh, thankfully, though, there, there are lawyers that are coming forward to try and um, remedy some of this, but they need to find judges that are willing to uh, uphold our rights rather than just be noddies for the government. Mm. And that's pro- it's proving to be very, very difficult indeed.
1: We're rushing blindly into vaccine mandates and vaccine passports. Are you concerned about the level of vaccine adverse effects and injuries being reported in Australia and elsewhere, and the lack of interest there appears to be from the government?
3: Yeah, look, I'm concerned uh, that the current vaccines that we've got on the market uh, in response to COVID-19 have been rather rushed. I do believe, though, quite firmly, uh, that um, people should have a choice. Uh, they're there; they've gone through, um, you know, the, a regulatory authority. Uh, the information on adverse outcomes is there for people to see who want to go looking for it. Um, you know, despite the fact that it's, you know, that, that 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 any sort of discussion around adverse impacts on the, the in the mainstream media or on mainstream social media. Uh, seems to be quashed and shut down. You can still find that online. And I think that the number one thing we should be ensuring is that vaccines, as the Prime Minister stated at the outset, are not mandatory, and that means no coercion. Uh, The the problem is as soon as you have some form of coercion, it effectively becomes mandatory, and uh, that means people who have legitimate concerns about how quickly the vaccine has gotten to market about uh, whether or not all of the uh, long-term safety effects have actually been analysed, that all of those concerns become moot uh, because in order to, I don't know, travel interstate, in order to uh, uh, go to a, a, a sporting match, in order to get a job or to keep your job, uh, that you need the vaccine, well, your concerns then become pretty much irrelevant. So, 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 So that's why we have to keep in place uh the 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 number one policy that the prime minister stated from the outset that vaccines are not mandatory i see um
1: just following your speech in parliament and then you were had the mob they um they they gave their opinion you know their unqualified opinion however on what you had said uh none of the media in australia jumped to your defense the only media that I saw was that from overseas, such as on uh, on Fox in the States. Does it concern you that we have, you know, whether it's perceived or re- you know, reality, that we have this mob
3: rule attitude? Oh, it's tremendously concerning. I mean, I think that Australia has slipped from being a liberal democracy into a uh, woke mob democracy. And uh, our media has been cheering that fact on because... Uh, you know they're, they're a, a mob of worksters themselves i mean uh the 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 left-wing attitude which uh it's just bizarre because um you know people that style themselves as progressives in any other matter mm-hmm. uh, they would be out there championing for freedoms but at the moment they're championing for them to be stripped away from people so um the media is now part of the problem not part of the solution and uh uh, I, I can point to mainstream media commentators like Chris Ullman, who've said exactly that yeah. uh, who, who've said that the most disappointing thing about all of this pandemic and the authoritarian response to it uh, has been the media acting as a cheer squad for the removal of freedoms yeah. and acting like uh, some uh, uh, jumped up hall, uh, school hall monitor yeah. um, well, uh, uh, that's exactly what the media have become, and uh, I, I think it's, uh, it's leading this country into a very, very bad direction. There's been no
1: media or parliamentary scrutiny or very little of government COVID policies. Does Scott Morrison, you know, this is sort of a little left field here, but uh, it's not a bad left field theory. Does Scott Morrison have another agenda? And is he moving us into a maybe the great reset arena?
3: No, well, look, I, I, uh, look I, I don't know what Scott Morrison uh, uh, thinks, but I know that Scott Morrison actually said that we don't need a reset, uh, that we just need to get on with it. Um, but I, I think that, that you just got to have a look at the uh, forces at play here mm. and where the real power lies. We have found that our our federation is a very different beast to what we Or thought it was Um, you know most people think well the federal government's in charge when it comes to a pandemic it's the state governments that are in charge Uh, they're the ones that have their hands firmly on the levers of power when it comes to uh, responses to a pandemic Um, now uh, the other problem that you're seeing is private corporations and some of the big big private corporations, uh, multinational ones, and the responses that they have to the pandemic trying to uh, usurp the role of government or supplant the role of government, which comes out and says the vaccine's not to be mandatory. And then they turn around and say, well, for all of our workers and customers, it's going to be. Mm. Um, uh, And you've got to wonder, well, what tune are they dancing to? Because uh, it's certainly not to the tune of logic we have found uh, through the experience of many other countries that the efficacy of the vaccines in stopping transmission is really neither here nor there. Mm. Um, And in comparison to those who've got uh, uh, built up um, uh, natural immunity, so to speak, from the fact that they've actually had COVID-19 and it's run through their system, um, I think that it's, it's pretty negligible in terms of uh, that efficacy of the vaccine. So, uh, why oh why do they continue to push it in the face of all all logic, all data, and uh, all of the real science, uh, not uh, the fake science that we hear from the mainstream media night after night? Uh, and yes, it just so happens that the uh, uh, this World Economic Forum, which includes some of. Uh, uh, you know, governmental leaders. It includes uh, major corporate uh, leaders or corporations and their executives, and other non-government organisations. That their push is to drive the world into a more authoritarian state. I would say mm. uh, because uh, uh, it's only from a top-down approach can they cure society of all the things that they see as ills, and uh, and tell us. Uh, Uh, mere mortals, uh, what's good for us. And I think that that is a very, very big problem And the pandemic and the government response or the government's response and corporations' response collectively has probably played a fair bit into that uh, Great Reset agenda. China has said,
1: may we live in interesting times. (laughs) We are, and probably very scary. George Christensen, thank you very much. Thank you.
0: There's no sense of holding me, it doesn't help. We all talk about the data, the U.S., has VAERS.
1: VAERS is America's early warning system that monitors the safety of vaccines. Albert Benavides is a respected VAERS data analyst who has exposed critical COVID-19 vaccine safety issues with VAERS. Albert, thank you very much for joining us. Oh, happy, happy to be here, thank you, Mike. Can you give us a rundown on the latest VAERS report and aspects that stand out?
2: Yeah, uh, well, we are currently up to a total of 13,627 deaths. Uh, that's a, an increase of a weekly increase here of uh, 559 deaths. Um, we're up to 17,794 permanent disabilities, which is uh, that's a curiosity that there's now um, more permanent disabilities than death um cuz that wasn't the case for the first uh 7 months uh yeah so it, we got the same the same amount uh, 27,000 new total cases um it it looked everything looked pretty average until i started to investigate some of the deaths our so, domestic
1: deaths. so tell us about what's unusual about the deaths that that have been added okay so
2: so uh we didn't I feel that we didn't get a lot of
1: domestic deaths.
2: We only we got a of those uh, five hundred and fifty nine deaths, a hundred and thirteen of them were what what we call what I'm calling domestic in the continental United States and and uh, our territories like Guam and and uh, Puerto Rico. Um, so one hundred and thirteen deaths, and when I looked closely at them, I realized like, hey, why are they you know, by vaccination date, there's still uh, a considerable percentage that were uh, December, January and February. And when I looked at them and I measured them between vax date and death date, that's when I realized, oh, my gosh, these people are and it, and it clearly says there. are uh, written in the in the write-up summary part that it was a breakthrough so now we're talking about breakthrough deaths that um, you know or they'll call it vaccine failure or they'll call it drug uh, ineffective but either way you you look at it um, these people were fully vaccinated and then on top of that ended up passing away uh, you know, 90 days after their after they were fully vaxxed, 120 days after they were fully vaxxed. So you know just as an example, Mike, um, 53 of those 113 deaths, they all died, they were all fully vaxxed and died 120 days after
1: after their after their last vaccination. Do you anticipate there will be more deaths of this kind in, in the uh, maybe the next report, and, and why?
2: Uh, you know, I, I do overall, but what I've what I've noticed by their pattern first first of all, they don't have the way these reports get reported to the public. Um, they don't have a normal organic pattern like you can like something you can hang your hat on and say, yeah, they always seem to give us. You know, uh, 20 or 30 deaths um, that are this old, you know, um, they seem to jump around. So what I believe, like, you know, 130, 13 deaths weren't a lot. And then the basically the majority were all old, uh, like like vaccine failure or breakthrough. Um, I believe that they slipped them in that way. On purpose by design uh, so that it and then maybe this coming week which tomorrow is actually tomorrow's the next drop um, they may jump to to another section they may give us a lot of uh, recent deaths like they like the person was vaxxed a couple of weeks ago and then died you know died last week something Mm -hmm. like that Uh, so they nothing nothing comes organic it, it feels like to me so uh, but yeah, I think that, I think, you know, I, my, uh, my last video on my audit was, uh, 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 successful, got a lot of views, um, because I think that, you know, I said, well, what does the ADE look like? The, um, antibody dependent enhancement that we've, you know, that these, um, physicians have been talking about. Um, and I think that could be it because, a lot of them said that they were fully vaxxed and then they caught COVID again. Mm. So, so I thought, well, what do you mean, like, uh, uh, caught Delta this time? <laughs> you know, I, mm. I, I throw that out. I just throw that out there. Um, did they? You know, is it uh, ADE? Like, like, like they're saying, like, hey, you, you've just, you've gotten vaxxed and you've just traded in. You've now traded in your innate uh immunity natural immunity for this uh you know now you're dependent on these boosters
1: yeah synthetic immunity which is no, nowhere near as good as um, natural immunity hey albert Hi. um the cdc now i was reading on the uh, twitter sphere so i presume it's right uh, to an extent but they've um it says that the cdc are going to regard that if anybody passes away or dies after the uh, receiving the, the vaccine within the two weeks will not be regarded as dying from the vaccine. Now, um, you're a data analyst and you seem to be a fairly bright lad. Um, does that seem a bit odd to you?: Well, I mean, it seems very odd and curious, but
2: you know, for, for the CDC, it makes perfect sense. It's like, it's like them It's like a carnival trick. Of how they shuffle the cards Mm. and hide the you know hide the ball under the nutshell and go where is this Mm. where you know Mm. um yeah they're basically saying that uh you know to be considered fully vaxxed is 14 days after your last you know your last dose and if you die before then you're not considered fully vaxxed So, so it's as if so it's as if you uh you know you got the first dose and I do see a lot of that because I, I in the data, um, you know, because it's almost, it's almost protocol. It seems like for these hospitals that, you know, you get an adverse effect, you, you know, you begrudgingly go to the hospital and go, ah, oh, I'm sick. And, uh, you know, I'm not doing well. And then they test you with that, with that highly suspicious PCR test. And guess what? It comes up positive, And then they, spin their spin their web and say oh you must have been you know you must have caught the covid you know in these first 14 mm-hmm. days you weren't fully immune yet you know so it's like wow you know i i can't prove it but i actually think that some something in the vaccine could help trigger the pcr mm-hmm. test itself right i mean mm-hmm. it, it, they're saying that the pcr test can't can't differentiate between covid and the flu that you got last year or you know it it can't differentiate viruses i guess
1: so it's really interesting though from the cdc a once respected body now um it's not respected by anybody uh look what can we say about the safety of the vaccines based on this report (laughs) you you know mike I, i don't know
2: that i you know and it's just my personal opinion from a data analyst i i don't know how how you can say that this is that this is safe and um you know not to mention the the long term effects you know we have no idea what the long term effects are and you know now that we're in we we are uh, here in the United States we started our this program uh December 13th and we are now like 262 days into the program so and so it's natural that we're going to start seeing in the data people that are passing away, you know, three months, four months, five months since their last vaccine. Now, you know, I can, I can, you know, I have to, you know, admit, go well, you know, maybe they died of some, you know, something that wasn't quite related to the to the vaccine, but I, I think, you know, you, you you should still report it. Um, yeah, I, yeah, it's just, I don't think it's safe at all, at all. And, and, and I only, um, I do that part of, I make part of my opinion and assumption and educated guests best based on the data. But then I follow the physicians like the, um, you know, the frontline doctors and the FLCCC, uh, Dr. Uh, Pierre Corey and Dr Peter McCullough, he's my favorite. Um, you know, and he, you know, if he says he can't he can't recommend it to anybody
1: then
3: mm.
1: you know, it, it it's not safe. It, I don't I don't believe it's safe for anybody. Uh, Albert Benavides, now before we do, before we say goodbye, if somebody wants to find out more about what you do, how do they do that?
2: Uh thank you. And that's uh I go by Welcome the Eagle 88 all all one word all together, one word. Welcome Mm -hmm. to Eagle 88. Just plug it in your browser. You'll find me. um, But my main
1: channel is Shoot and Odyssey. Have a lovely weekend and we'll talk to you soon. Okay, Mike. Thank you. God bless you. We all saw the images and reports of a police horse allegedly punched by a protester in Sydney. Now, to us, it looked nothing like a punch, more like a forearm pushing the horse away so the protester would not be hurt. Today, that protester, Christian Pukovnik, appeared in court and the lawyer representing him is uh, tony Nicolik. tony great to see you what's
4: the update oh well, thanks for having me again mike um the update today is we uh appeared before the registrar of the district um uh, sorry the downing center local court um and uh the matter was listed for a uh, return of subpoena those subpoenas went to the uh, park lee Uh, Prison um, where Mr Pukovnik was um, incarcerated. Obviously, there were some issues with respect to uh, the um, treatment of Mr Pukovnik whilst in custody. Some of those, as perhaps people may or may not know, that was widely publicised here in Australia at the time, was the fact that Mr Pukovnik was held in custody uh, incommunicado, um, so he didn't... Um, have access uh, to communications with his lawyers, such as myself or his family. Um, we then submitted an affidavit um, outlining our um, concerns with respect to that. And indeed, we, um, we submitted an affidavit that uh, attached the standard minimum rules for the, um, prisoners in custody pursuant to the United Nations, commonly known as the Mandela rules. Um, which obviously Rules 1 and 3 irrelevantly uh, provide um, a capacity for any prisoner to have communication with the outside world, especially with his legal team. Uh, Mr Bukovnik was held um, in isolation for 14 days without any communication. Uh, One would have thought this does not occur in Australia. Let me just tell everybody it did and it does. Um, obviously, uh, one side of the coin is is that the, um, the State is arguing that um, because he didn't do a PCR test and um, whatever questions we have with respect to PCR testing is um, yet to be established, however, Mr Bukovnik spent 14 days in a cell in isolation. Um, he has a condition obviously asthma he was calling for his asthma spray and they said we're not going to give you any medication now these are our instructions um we're not going to give you any medications until you do the pcr test um also as instructed is that mr Bukovnik states that of the 14 days whilst in custody um, seven of those days the toilet were blocked now uh, part of our um, request to the Park Lee uh, Prison, obviously, um, we need to take those uh, that information and we need to assess it relevantly and, and, and see what the other side says, but um, there are massive concerns here in terms of how people are being treated, not just um, whilst incarcerated, but in every other aspect. And um, there are also cases where young children um, have been arrested and pepper sprayed. Um, I I speak relevantly of the uh, issues that were raised on the Dan Bongino show um, where uh, they showed some um, quite alarming footage of a uh, young children um, uh, being um, in the firing line of of, um, pepper spray by the New South Wales Police Force. Um, We also subpoenaed records um, from that Seven Hill Plaza they provided everything but the camera we wanted, mm. um, which shows where it's at. But Mr. Pukovnik, going back to him, um, where we sit right there is Mr. Pukovnik. Um, he's finding it very difficult. Um, he went through quite a traumatic experience.
1: So can you, just to wrap this up, why is he in jail? What Was it for punching a horse or doing other other things? Because you can see
4: he didn't punch the horse. No, that, that, that's that's. That's precisely correct, and um, it it appeared, uh, even um, uh, Her Honour Magistrate Farnan um, actually pointed out that we need to leave, it's very important that we leave what happened on that day for another, for the actual hearing itself, Mm. because that needs to be heard, but Mm. for all intents and purposes... um, what you will find is is that it was self defence. Mm. Um, there was a big black horse. I, I think it's a massive mm. black draft type horse um, that was coming, and he's pretty well, you know, doing, you know, trying to keep things away, mm. and he's sort of doing these sorts of actions. There was no. Um, I, I, I would have thought that the um, the the photo was strategically edited to create a perception or an imputation. Um, uh, that he punched the horse in circumstances where once that footage is played in its entirety, you can see that it looks more like self-defence and not a punch. So he's still in jail? No, he's out now. We, we mm. Fortunately, there was a, a few weeks there. Uh, he was in jail for 14 or 15 days. Mm. Uh, we we um, He was incarcerated, I believe, on the 24th or 25th of July mm. and um We got him out of jail on the 11th of August Mm. Uh, and that was, um, if I may say also, that the New South Wales Bar Association allocated two um, uh, eminently qualified um, barristers, one senior and one junior, Mm. uh, one Chris O'Donnell SC and Miss Parissa Hart. Um, Both of them came pro bono and we'd like to thank the New South Wales Bar Association because they showed that when lawyers get together in these, our duties to our clients, uh, irrespective of the political nature that may be surrounding that. And um, I think Mr Bukovnik is is indebted, and so am I, with respect to the outpouring of um, community support, but also support from the Bar Association of New South Wales.
1: Tony Nikolic, great talking to you. Uh, It seems like the the old saying, and I've used it before on the show, uh, once a penal connolly, Always a penal colony and, uh, and upheld greatly here by New South Wales and Victoria. Uh, thank you
0: very much for your time. Thank you for having me on, Mike. Take care.